This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It is the late show here on a Friday night. Henry returns Monday night. He'll be in five days next week. By the way, Blois Olson sits in for Dias and DeRoche on Monday between 3 and 6. But Henry is back Monday night, and he'll be in for the Lake Show Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all five nights between 6 and 9 o'clock here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Uh, Josh, a couple of weeks ago we traveled to South Dakota and uh, attended a reunion, wife's side of the family, her mom's side of the family. It was good to get together. And you made a trip to visit family down in Oklahoma not that long ago. Indeed I did. Yeah, it was uh it was just last week. It definitely was a quick trip, but uh yeah, it was nice to get away for a couple of days and uh, be able to see some family down there and uh, visit the old stomping grounds. So did you uh drive it? Did you fly to OKC? What did you do? Uh so I drove down. All right. So I, I would assume you uh, head to Kansas City and then hop on, what, the Kansas Turnpike? Yep, so uh, hit Topeka, and that's kind of where the Turnpike starts. Uh, and, man, I have not traveled on those roads in a while, and I forgot uh, inflation definitely comes into play, especially with tolls. So uh, that one way it was like $12 at the end of the toll, at the end of the Turnpike, and I was like, man, I don't remember it being – this much money to pay tolls. <laughs> you know, I, I've been a fan of toll roads until we drove out to Philly, and I'm glad you brought that up. But uh, we were doing a little bit of research, um, not not this past summer, but the summer of 22. Uh, my youngest had a conference out in Philly, and because she went to school in Arizona and She's in a wheelchair and the flying and the worries about the wheelchair and the airlines destroying that valuable wheelchair. We just decided to drive. So we drove to Philly. And in doing the research, you know, if you're going to go anywhere near Chicago or drive through Chicago, at, at some point you're going to need to deal with toll roads. That That's part of the deal yeah. going through Chicago. And when the girls were younger, we drove to Chicago a lot, so we knew the drill. And then after that, I-80 kind of turns into a toll road through Indiana and through Ohio. And we kind of knew the deal there and did a little research. 
But in advance of the trip, one of the best ways to get from here to Philly is take the Pennsylvania Turnpike, which takes you from the western border all the way across. And Pennsylvania is a long state. It's a pretty big state and gets you all the way over to the east side in Philadelphia. But my wife, doing her research, found out it is one of the most expensive toll roads in the world. It was ridiculous how much money we dropped on tolls between the Ohio border and and getting into Philly. It, it was absolutely insane how much it was. So you bring up inflation, but yeah. So if, if you're going to ever drive east, be aware of that. Now you can take other routes where the tolls aren't as heavy, but, but there's a lot more stops, there's a lot more traffic, etc. Yeah. So you're kind of paying for the convenience of being on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. And it was a really good road. I, I'm not complaining. Some of the food options at these rest stops, etc., left a little bit to be desired. Yeah, and it definitely takes away but, kind of from the trip overall. Yeah. Because uh, uh, you and I had talked off air. I was able to go down and see wasn't my first time visiting it. Uh, it was definitely my first time as a full-grown adult seeing it, but the I uh, got to see the Oklahoma City bombing memorial. Um, not a lot of people are aware that I was down there for when that happened. Uh, my, my dad was about 10 blocks away. My mom and I wow. were within five miles of when it happened. But, yeah, my dad was we – were, we were preparing to move that summer, and my dad was actually like 10 blocks away downtown getting papers and stuff for, for our move. And uh, yeah, he just when when Tim McVeigh yeah when the bomb went and off Terry and, Nichols yeah <laughs> blew up the Murrah Federal Building yeah and ter- and to, wow. to a lot of people's shock even to this day Terry Nichols is still kind of rotting away in a Colorado maximum uh, security prison so uh, Terry Nichols is still with us but uh, yeah Timothy McVeigh was uh, put to put to death in two thousand and one uh, but yeah still the deadliest uh, domestic terrorist attack in history and. I think a lot of people just don't know about it because 9-11 kind of swept all that under the rug. Well, <laughs> Nothing against 9-11. Like, that's also very, very tragic day, but I think that kind of trumped everything that's happened before 9-11 uh, once that did happen in 2001. But I think a lot of people just don't know about the Oklahoma City bombing. My wife didn't even know about it until she met me. So Well, <laughs> and, and the, the, the thing about the bombing in Oklahoma City, and you sent a, a powerful photo of the memorial yeah and it is impressive and and i saw that post and i wanted to talk to you about it because i i still haven't been to new york mm-hmm. to the the 9-11 memorial at the world trade center site and anybody who's been there it's it said it's extremely powerful yeah it, and, and I'm sure you had the same feeling, you know, at at the uh, Murrah Federal yeah. Building yep. Memorial as well. That, oof, well, and the the terrible. way the way it starts out, and I'm sure 9/11 is is similar. I know my wife said that when she went down to she went on a school trip to New Orleans and went to the Katrina uh, Museum as well, and she said that they pretty much bring you to room and you just hear just all the different sound effects like wa- water waves, all that stuff, but. Uh, the way they started out in the OKC one is uh, pretty much there was an actual waterboard meeting going on in that building uh, at the time, and they actually have the 
actual raw audio uh, recording of that meeting up until basically the bomb went off. <laughs> uh, so you basically go into a room at the start of the tour, essentially, sit down in a room and hear about it's about two a two-minute clip of the meeting getting underway, and then it's pretty much you hear the explosion, the doors fly open, and then you basically go and do a very in-depth uh, emotional tour. You go, you know, you see, you know, there was a uh, big bird because the daycare also was factored into this tragic right. event too. So the the, day, the daycare, a lot of a lot of kids uh, died on that day as well. So there was just all kinds of different items that were uh, found in the wreckage, and yeah, it's a it's a very powerful emotional uh, tour to go on, and they even have. The uh, Mercury uh, Grand Marquis that uh, McVeigh was pulled over in in Perry, Oklahoma, in uh, in that museum as well. Yeah, it it is, and yeah. the the thing is, we went, uh, we drove to San Antonio, so we drove through Oklahoma City uh, on the way to San Antonio, all the way down thirty five, and this is a couple of summers ago for my niece's wedding, and. As we got into Oklahoma, we were, my youngest daughter was with and we were talking about that in particular. And she had heard about it and and learned about it a little bit, but we kind of talked about it. And in reality, based on, on what you had in your post and the photo you had in your post, I wish... We would have stopped. And another thing we meant to do on the trip was to go to Dealey Plaza yeah. in Dallas oh, yeah. where JFK was, was shot. And it, it didn't work out time-wise. When we got to DFW on the way home, we were just kind of like, we, we, we just wanted to get on the road. Our goal was to get back to Kansas City to spend the night and then the final day come home. So we didn't stop at Dealey Plaza. I, I now wish, having traveled that way a couple of summers ago, we would have visited the the Murrah Federal Building yeah. Memorial. Because it's, uh... it, 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 like I say, after you posted, I, I went on the website and they did a tremendous job. Yeah, it's on this memorial. well, and there's a lot of stuff that you don't. So it's it's different when you take it in as a kid because I went there in well, two thousand. Sure. I went there in two thousand two and two thousand and nine. The last two times that I was in OKC, and uh, it's definitely a lot different when you're you know thirty, <laughs> almost thirty one, taking it in and kind of being able to fully. I mean, I already knew almost everything there is to know about the situation, but also like there's a lot of stuff that you learn like. You know, there was a they they have the actual second bomb that was never detonated in one of the encasings too. There, there was a, supposedly a second bomb that was uh, set to go off, and then there was also just there, there's a lot of different pieces to that yeah. story that I didn't understand wow. or know about until I actually went on the tour. So yeah, it was pretty pretty incredible. Yeah, and it it is it is powerful in the way in the way they did that memorial, and and like I say. I, I want to get to New York and and get to the World Trade Center site. And I, I brought up the fact that we, we road tripped out to Philly. And I've also heard that Shanksville, PA, where the other airliner went yeah. down, there were two that, that flew into the Twin Towers. There was one that went down at the Pentagon. And then, of course, the other 
uh, went down in in Pennsylvania, and that that is very powerful. And um, once again, uh, I I appreciate you sharing that post because I I dug in and learned more about the memorial. And and one of the things that stood out to me is the 168 chairs uh, represent those killed on April 19th, 1995. So we're rapidly coming up on the 30th anniversary of that tragic event. They stand in nine rows, each representing a floor of the federal building where the field is now located, the field of chairs. Each chair bears the name of someone killed on that floor. Nineteen smaller chairs stand for the kids that were killed that day. Just just extraordinary. Yeah. That, that, and, and, that had, to, had to be awe-inspiring. And, and I think the, one, the other thing, too, that really is awe-inspiring is the survivor tree that is featured on the opposite side of the reflection pool at the memorial where basically – that tree was there when the bombing, when the bomb went off. Yeah, it was a little bit damaged, and yes, it's been touched up and grown a little bit, but it stayed standing and it stayed right where it is. And it's it's called the survivor tree for a reason because uh, that was essentially one of the few pieces left of the uh, Murrah building. Besides, you know, the 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 side, the, there's some side like embankment ramps type little structures where you would get to to the building from. I think it's more so for like wheelchair accessible, et cetera, but. Those also are still where they were. Like you, you go into the entrance from the side of the, um, the side of where that pool and stuff is. Sure. is there's still rebar and stuff sticking out from that event. Like they, they left it as is. <laughs> um, but yeah, the survivor oh. tree is still there. Uh, they kept it as is. They've, like I said, they've touched it up. But it's still remarkable to think that as powerful as a bo- as that bomb was, you know, fertilizer, all that stuff, that tree is still standing. Yeah. Just incredible. Uh, once again, if you're in Oklahoma City, uh, the uh, Oklahoma City National Memorial Museum, once again, coming up on the 30th anniversary of that. It is 819 here on a Friday night. News Talk, 830-WCCO. Definitely chilly overnight here in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis, St. Paul, and this will be a stretch of Hard freezes, 27 tonight, 26 tomorrow night, 24 Sunday, 25 Monday, 23 on Tuesday. But uh, daytime temps will moderate. We'll be mid-40s by next Friday. And this is the way I look at it. And this comes from experience. And I I always look at this time of year to get acclimated. Uh, try not to get all bundled up because some people this time of year, you, you go to the store, you bump into them uh, coming to work or, or leaving work. They got their biggest winter coat and hat and mittens already. It's like, no, 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 You, you got to save that for the real cold stuff. I use this as an opportunity to get acclimated. I, I try to go as much as I can without a coat. So, say for instance, Sunday, when we get back into the upper 30s and the sun's out and the wind's down, that'll feel pretty good. I, I want to get used to the cold. Um, 
And, heck, by next Friday, and we're in the mid-40s or uh, close to 50, maybe next weekend, um, that's going to feel great. So the, the people that I think bundle up big time got it all wrong. I, I, I don't. I don't take that approach at all. I'm with you. But, I'm with yeah. you 100%. I, I, am, you, you I drag this out as long as possible. I don't even grab my winter boots quite yet. Like I, I, no, I, no, no, no. No, I don't even. <laughs> we, you and I talked off air about it, too. Like I, I'm not buying into the hype of the snow until we get into some serious stuff because what we're getting tomorrow is just it, – it's a false winter. It's one of the many false winters we get every single year. Um. I'm very confident that this will probably be a dry winter. I don't think we're going to get, uh, especially because we're due for a dry winter. I think that after what we had last year and the year before that, I think this will definitely be one of those winters where we don't get that bad winter weather each and every month. And I think uh, yeah, I the worst is still a ways out, and I'm kind of with you on that. I stretch this out as far as possible before even thinking about grabbing <laughs> the winter coat or anything. I'm still, you know, jeans and joggers and maybe some, maybe a, a hoodie, but not definitely not the boots or the jackets yet. I, I, I'm not saying I'm going to dig out the shorts again no. on Sunday, but if I, I go out and like I say, a lot, lot of folks have chores to do and I, I certainly have my share of chores to get done and I'm going to probably put those off until Sunday just because tomorrow on the air three to six other stuff to do but but Sunday you know I I'm thinking that if I get out there and get a lather going as Dan Gladden likes to say I I I might be down to the shirt sleeves and jeans out in the yard with high 30s because I think it is important that that you get acclimated to, to the cold weather. Like I say, I have a couple of co-workers during the week. Um, and, you know, like I say, so so what do you do when it gets really cold? You got to, well, I'm freezing. And it's like, yeah, this is nothing compared to uh, what we could see in December, in January, in February. Um, yeah, I, 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 th- I think you got to. You got to stave it off. I I leave the big, ugly, heavy-duty blue winter coat with hood uh, in the closet as long as I can. As long as I can. 34 degrees. Coming up, we'll have an update on that weather going forward. Once again, there could be a flake or two on Saturday. uh, Later in the day, maybe Saturday night. Then Sunday doesn't look bad. Monday, pretty good. Maybe a, a blustery Halloween but then things improve by the end of the week. I, I'm I'm feeling pretty good about 40s by the end of the week in these parts. Paul Douglas coming up. And then my favorite space and science writer, uh, Robert Zimmerman, will join us following that weather here on News Talk. E3-O-W-C-C-O. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Henry is tonight off. He'll be back Monday, 6 to 9, here on News Talk, 830-WCCO. And if you're a regular listener to the radio station and uh, late night, the John Bachelor Show, you'll hear this man, Robert Zimmerman, uh, join him. And he uh, is good enough to join me from time to time here on News Talk 830-WCCO. And, of course, it's Robert Zimmerman, my favorite space and science writer. His website, Behind the Black, he's written many wonderful books. Uh, Bob, good to visit with you. It's been a while. Uh, Steve, anytime you want. It's always a pleasure. Glad to be yeah. here. Yeah, good to, good to talk to you, and I always learn a lot at, at your website, Behind the Black. And there's a map I want to bring up that uh, is, is on the first page of your website, and it's a new global map of the near-surface ice on Mars. This is really cool and very important if humans ever hope to travel to Mars. Having water available in some way, shape, or form is a big deal. Yes, and what's interesting about that, Steve, is that this is not, in a sense, news. Uh, It's been pretty clear now, and I've reported this on Behind the Black for at least five years now, that uh, north of 30 degrees latitude in both both hemispheres, you've got a lot of near-surface ice. All the orbital data has been telling us that. And so essentially what you've got on uh, Mars is that the equatorial tropics, in in English, tropics has a connotation of of wet, but in, in Mars, the equatorial tropics, the regions near the equator, are dry. They're dry like the Sahara in a sense, though not, uh, but like a regular, de- a regular desert. You have mountains and everything else, but they're dry. There's no water there. But when you get above 30 degrees latitude, it becomes a desert-like Antarctica with lots and lots of ice. You could be walking on ice, but it's a desert in that it's frozen. 
And in order to get any water, you've got to process it by melting it. And that's not simply easy when you're in a very cold environment. Uh, Antarctica is considered a desert. And that's really what the north and south of Mars is like. This map is interesting. Is what, is that the, what the scientists did is they compiled all the available orbital data combined with a lot of uh, um, uh, things seen on the ground um, and tried to put together a map giving us a very better idea of where we're finding evidences of that water globally. And it's a, it's, it's, good, it's a good reference piece. I link actually to the interactive map that they provide where you can actually explore the areas where this, map, this stuff is, is obtained. And when I, the, I took from their paper uh, one of their figures that shows the global map, and then I annotated it to show interesting details, such as one of the wet areas in the northern latitudes uh, in the lowland plains, is also Starship's landing zone. And this is actually an area where there appears to be some somewhat deep, thick layers of ice. And so, so anyway, it, yes, this is good news. It's, it's, it's once again, we're beginning to get a much glow, a much better overview of what Mars is like. And it's really interesting that it it, in, in many ways, it does fit the fictional impression of Mars from 100 and 150 years ago of a planet that once had lots of water that has become dry and dead, except a lot of that water is still there in the present, in the manner of ice. And it's, it's, it's fun. It's interesting stuff. And you, you would say, okay, there's water there, but if if humans are able to reach Mars – and there, there's still engineering challenges, but but having water there and uh, H2O, if you will, hydrogen and oxygen, is incredibly important. We know what water is to to life; it's it's imperative, human life in particular. But from that fuel, etc., it's it's imperative because you could never bring along enough fuel. Right. Or, or enough water to sustain human life. Yeah, or oxygen as well. Though we have learned that we yeah. have already learned from perseverance and experimental perseverance how to manufacture breathable oxygen in sufficient amounts from the carbon dioxide in Mars's atmosphere. So we wouldn't even need the water for oxygen. This is an amazing little side note. But in terms of yeah, in terms of uh, settlement, yes, there's this water would provide not only drinking water and water for agriculture, but it would also provide the potential for energy, hydrogen and oxygen. You can create energy from it. Um, and the map tells you where on Mars the valuable real estate likely is, because you really want to be. If you, the best places to land are the lowest latitudes and the lowest elevations possible for numerous reasons. And most of the water isn't above 30 degrees latitude, but there are some exceptions to that. And those suddenly become interesting places. But interestingly enough, those places also tend to be at higher latitude, uh, higher elevations. So there's a game here that's going to have to be played. And only as exploration uh, uh, unfolds and bases start to get built and colonists start to live there, will we really get a sense of which places are absolutely ideal. But this is going to give those first uh, settlers uh, a real heads up on where to go. Bob Zimmerman joining us, website Behind the Black. Uh, the, the ship that may very well carry humans to Mars is being constructed. They're attempting to test 
down in Texas. There was one test launch of the entire system, the Super Heavy Booster, and and the actual Starship that would ultimately go into orbit and 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 travel to the moon, Mars, uh, beyond. Who knows? Uh, but they're they're kind of stuck in a holding pattern, waiting for the approvals to continue to develop the system, if you will. This is a this is a nightmare and a tragedy and an abuse of power by the federal government. What's going on in Boca Chica? Um, I've I've been reporting on this now for several years. It's pretty clear that when uh, we changed presidential administrations, we went from encouraging private enterprise and freedom and getting things done to using the bureaucracy to stymie the American people. And in the case of Boca Chica and SpaceX and its Starship Super Heavy rocket, uh, it couldn't be clearer. They were doing regular monthly test flights up until uh, the change in presidents, and then suddenly they've been able to only do one test flight in the last two years. One test flight in the last, I'm sorry, three years. And when they did that April test flight of Super Heavy and Starship, SpaceX said that they would be ready to launch probably in August. They actually were ready to launch, got everything taken care of, figured out what was wrong, made the repairs they needed to make to the launch pad, and said they were ready to launch on September 5th. So they missed their uh, predicted launch date by only a week or so. But I predicted in April that they were not going to get the launch, and I said they probably aren't going to get the launch before the end of the year. And in fact, the bureaucracy's uh, regulatory red tape was essentially making Boca Chica an impossible place to do anything. And that's what has transpired. They have not been able to launch, and they're still sitting there not unable to launch. I have a piece on Behind the Black today that points out how the Fish and Wildlife Service is now only beginning an investigation into that previous April launch. They waited, what is it, six, four, five months, four months before they started their investigation. They've now begun their formal review. They have four months to complete the formal review, which means it could be that the SpaceX can't launch again until February, which means they lose more than half a year of time in their testing. Um, Fish and Wildlife, first of all, why is Fish and Wildlife blocking launches? It it must be repeated endlessly that uh, a launch facility helps wildlife, and we have three-quarters of a century of empirical proof at the Kennedy Space Center, as well as at Vandenberg in California. You have a space launch facility, you have to reserve a lot of land to protect from launches, and that becomes a wildlife refuge, and and animals survive. Fish and Wildlife is also claiming that the deluge system that SpaceX is using to protect the launch pad at launch, all that water could actually damage the swamp that the spacecraft is launching from. This is more than absurd. This is basically the Biden administration allowing the bureaucracy or even demanding the bureaucracy to slow walk SpaceX for political reasons. This administration apparently is not interested in purely American achievements. Musk has made it clear he no longer supports Biden or the Democratic Party. Therefore, he's an enemy. He's an American citizen, though, and they're supposed to be representing everybody as elected officials. But no, he is now an enemy and must be squashed. For the Democrats in power in the White House, uh, all that matters is power. And if that means destroying Americans, that's what's going on. And SpaceX, I don't. it's a tragedy because if they don't get Starship and Super Heavy operating, it could actually be financial disaster because they need it to maintain and launch Starlink. And if they don't get Starlink completely launched, uh, they could get sanctions from the FCC. 
And on top of that, NASA needs Starship because it's its lunar lander to do the manned missions to the moon. And so NASA's entire Artemis program is threatened by this as well. And this is all bureaucracy in Washington, uh, red tape imposed by politicians. It's pretty disgraceful, Steve. Yeah, and they, they've they made a ton of improvements. Uh, what, what was asked? Uh, clearly the pad was faulty. It was... A poor yes. design. They had no idea how powerful this, and it, it blew out chunks of concrete. They, they fixed that. Uh, I, I think any reasonable observer would say that they, they've, they've tried to fix things to be able to continue to test. A reasonable observer would see that SpaceX's goals here are always laudable and have demonstra- demonstrated that. Um, they, they do these experimental launches to find out what they need to fix, and then they fix it. And then they do another launch to try to figure out what more they need to fix, and then they'll fix that. But if they can't do the launches, they can't figure out what they need to fix. And that's what the bottom line here. I must also emphasize that after the April launch, almost immediately after it, Fish and Wildlife admitted publicly that the launch did no significant damage to anything. Uh, It did not do any damage outside SpaceX's launch pad. It now claims that the, the fire might have uh, started a wildfire. I mean, the launch might have started a wildfire in a national state park nearby, but that's not proven. In fact, at the time, they said, no, it's probably not linked. But even if it is linked, that's still a minus. You know, uh, this, their, their actions here are um, uh, uh, despicable as far as I'm concerned. And basically, SpaceX, Starship Super Heavy, it faces uh, disaster right now because of these delays. Now, I, I understood once upon a time that SpaceX had a contingency plan to move or have a second base of operations in Florida at Kennedy Space Center, that they were building up the infrastructure to be able to launch a super heavy uh, starship from there. That's correct. They are in the process of trying to build a pad. They can't yet launch from Kennedy for a different reason, which is the Starship Super Heavy launch pad there is somewhat close to the launch pad SpaceX uses to launch astronauts to ISS. And NASA doesn't really want any Starship launches to take place out of fear it will damage that launch pad. And they need to have be able to run regular launches to ISS, and SpaceX sure. is their only way to get people on board. Um, So what they've asked SpaceX to do is to adapt its second launch pad at Kennedy um, to hold Dragon missions as well. And SpaceX is in the process of doing that. Once they've got that second launch pad set up to take Dragon manned capsules, then they can start launching uh, Starship Super Heavy from Kennedy. I must emphasize, though, that their intention was never to do test launches of that from oh, Kennedy. Sure. They always wanted to do these test engineering launches from Boca Chica, where they have a much better control and there's less chance of damaging other infrastructure of importance. And so I, they're, they're, in a, they're between a rock and a hard place. I must emphasize that it's not just Fish and Wildlife and FAA that's been slowing FAA, uh, SpaceX down. The Department of Justice has sued SpaceX for not hiring illegal aliens, even though the State Department would 
would shut SpaceX down if it did such a thing. So on one case, they're told by a, a government agency, you can't hire illegals. It's a missile operation, there's security concerns. And on the other side, the, the federal government's telling them, you've got to hire uh, illegal aliens. It's absurd. And that's not the only lawsuits that are being put against Elon Musk from the Biden administration. It's really a despicable situation and a, a, a raw example of abuse of power by uh, politicians in power. Robert Zimmerman joining us, my favorite space and science writer, his website, Behind the Black. Quick follow-up to manned space flight. You brought up the capability and what they've been able to do with Falcon 9 and Dragon and get astronauts safely into orbit to the International Space Station or in orbit, private enterprise, etc. What about Boeing and their Starliner? Where do we stand at the end of October 2023 with Boeing and their Starliner caps? Starliner, they're in the process of trying to fix additional problems, very disgraceful additional problems by Boeing uh, on the Starliner capsule and hope to launch the first manned mission in April. But these particular problems discovered only in June, shortly before launch, really do not reflect well on Boeing at all. One of the, one of the things they discovered is that in the capsule, they, the, the electric tape that they used to protect the wiring harness was flammable. Now, this is more disgraceful than can be imagined, because since the Apollo 1 fire in 1967, we've known that you don't use flammable material in a capsule like this. It's this there are numerous commercial products available that have been developed uh, for just this purpose, and yet Boeing did that. And now they've got to remove or cover that electric tape so that uh, there won't be a fire in the capsule. And on top of it, they discovered in June that the main link that connects the parachutes to the capsule was too weak. And so they have to do additional drop tests of a new parachute design to make sure the, para- the capsule will break off from the parachute. And once again, for them to discover that in June, two months before they originally intended to launch, this late in the development project, really speaks really badly of Boeing, and it's really a shame, but this is not the company that developed the 747, not in any way, shape, or form. Mm. We really, it's really it's tragic. It's just tragic. And we have no idea when they'll actually fly human Well, this, they're aiming for a March-ready date with an April launch, and according to reports this week, they say they, they're on target for that, and that might be the case. The problem they have is they wanted to make money from Starliner by flying tourists on it as well, like SpaceX is doing. Do you know anyone that's going to want to fly on that? It's like getting, getting into a Yugo to go into space. Uh, <laughs> they, they have done bad things to their reputation in this whole matter, and it's really a tragedy. Well, Bob, always good to visit with you. Once again, the website Behind the Black. He's written many wonderful books, and you can learn more about those as well at the website. Always good to visit with you, and I enjoy your visits with John Batchelor here as well. Um, you know, it's always a pleasure. I'm glad you're hearing more of me then. Yeah. No, <laughs> Until yeah, next absolutely. time, Steve. <laughs> yeah, there he is, Robert Zimmerman. Once again, the website, Behind the Black. Ten minutes now in front of nine. Stephen for Henry tonight here on News Talk. E3LWCC. Steve in for Henry tonight. Josh Wheeler is our producer. It's been a quick three hours to close out the week. Henry is back next week here on News Talk E3OWCCO. Chris Tubbs back in the producer chair next week. I understand Chris Tubbs, uh, a chaperone at uh, 
his daughter's school dance tonight. That is something I never did. I two daughters, and never was a chaperone at a school event. Now, now I did go on some field trips. It's not like I was one of those guys. Ah, I'm doing something else, or I got to do a ball game tonight, or I got to do this and that. I I did go uh, when when the girls went skiing. So I I, I have been a, a chaperone on field trips, but never at a dance or or anything like that. But Chris Tubbs uh, doing that tonight. So good for him. Good dad. Uh, way to go. A uh, World Series Arizona leading Texas five three that game in the bottom of the fifth. I will be back tomorrow with Josh Wheeler uh, between 3 and 6. Here's kind of the plan tomorrow afternoon. I will have Tech Talk with Doug. Uh, He's ready to go between 3 and 4. All things computers, hardware, software, whatever. Doug's been working on them for a long time. So if you're having trouble, he's more than happy to help you out tomorrow between 3 and 6. We'll go outdoors with Steve Carney. We'll talk a little hockey. Uh, he, He doesn't know it yet. But Jess Myers from the Rink Live will likely join us uh, tomorrow at about 4.15 or so. We'll get you up to date on what's going on with the Wild. And, and by the way, do you have a Wild score update, Josh? Yes, I do. They're in a shootout and nobody is scoring. All right. So they, they are in a shootout. They're going to yeah, get they're, a they're, point at least tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Against the Caps, so they better than Philly. They uh, they got blown out in Philly last night. So, uh, by the way, uh, then we'll have college football final tomorrow between four thirty and six. We'll have all the scores: Big Ten, top twenty-five. Uh, we'll check out the Pioneer League, the Missouri Valley. We'll get game reports from the Northern Sun and the MIAC. The regular season winding down rapidly. College football final tomorrow afternoon, and uh, hopefully Jonathan Lowe will be able to join us with some scores. Uh, Josh Wheeler will be in studio with us as well. So that is coming up uh, tomorrow afternoon. Timberwolves open tomorrow night at home. Uh, the Miami Heat in town, they dropped their season opener in Toronto. Once again, Jimmy Butler in the Miami Heat uh, Saturday night at Target Center, a 7 o'clock start on that one. And then the Vikes and the Packers. Sunday noon, Lambeau Field, Green Bay. Uh, Josh, do you have a prediction on the big game? Uh, This is a flip the coin. Green Bay isn't very good. The Vikings aren't very good. Even though they played well in a win over the 49ers, do you have a pick? I do. I think uh, the Vikings will squeak out a victory. I'd say probably seventeen to fourteen is your final score. Another low scoring, a low scoring tilt. I I think the Vikes are going to get it done as well. They have a little bit of momentum right now. Kirk Cousins was great against the Forty Nine. Oh yeah. All right, we got to run. We have the news at nine in a moment. Okay. Picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 